Welcome to Medified, a podcast about web dev and tech news that piqued my interest. I'm your host, Richard, and I'm looking forward to this episode. Cloudflare, the big-ass CDN and network security company, has just announced that its alternative to CAPTCHA has entered open beta. The name of the service is Turnstile, and the premises of this alternative are that it's invisible, it cares about the privacy of your users, and it's free. Plus, you can use it without being a Cloudflare customer. The creator of CAPTCHA once described it as a system that wastes precious human brain cycles and the user experience of having to use it leaves much to be desired. The point is that the only good thing about CAPTCHA is probably its name, which stands for Completely Automated Public Turing Test to Tell Computers and Humans Apart. Turnstile's unique selling point is definitely in improving the user experience by being invisible, which basically means that it's not even going to be used by your users in most cases. Turnstile automatically chooses from a suite of browser challenges based on telemetry and client behavior it monitors during a user's session. Under the hood, this process is powered by Cloudflare's managed challenge system. Apart from UX, Cloudflare also raises an interesting point about privacy. The fact is that Google's reCAPTCHA dominates the field of CAPTCHAs with around 97% of the market share. In essence, we are all, maybe somewhat unwillingly, sharing our private information with an ad sales company. reCAPTCHA version 3 is also invisible by default and it works by analyzing the behavior of a user on a website using a variety of signals. Based on that, reCAPTCHA assigns the session a risk score that is used to determine if that user is a bleeping robot, a CAPTCHA farmer, or a regular B9 user. But one of the signals that Google uses for the risk score is whether you have a Google cookie in your browser. And if you have that cookie, which signalizes that you have a Google account that you are logged into, you get a better score. In order for the system to work accurately, web administrators are supposed to embed the reCAPTCHA code on all of the pages of their website and not just the forms they want to get checked for robots. I guess I'll leave it up to you if this is something that bothers you. Turnstile is aiming for less data collection. Cloudflare's collaboration with device manufacturers like Apple, who already have the data that validates a device, lets them abstract portions of the validation process and confirm data without actually collecting or storing the data themselves. This mechanism is called private access tokens and they are built into Turnstile. And even though it looks at some session data, it doesn't ever look at cookies or uses them to collect or store information of any kind. It seems Cloudflare really wants you to use Turnstile because the process of replacing your Kapschka solution for this alternative is super easy. Plus, you get some nice built-in analytics out of the box. The beta of 4.9 version of TypeScript has been recently released and it comes with a few quality-of-life improvements for your day-to-day life. Let's start with a fancy goodie called Unlisting Property Narrowing with the N operator. Yes, 
You are right, it has something to do with the in operator. What it basically means is that TypeScript 4.9 will be able to more precisely conclude or narrow the composite type after using the in operator. Even though casting to correct types would be very easy in most cases, it is good to see TypeScript getting smarter in such scenarios. Another novelty is the satisfies operator. Satisfies operator is capable of validating if the type of some expression matches some type definition. The most important part is that satisfies operator will not change the type of the expression. This means that you will be able to check if some expression satisfied desired attributes and leave the type of the expression unchanged. This might seem subtle, but it is a nice day-to-day -day quality of life improvement. When it comes to performance, the default behavior for watching files will use the system watch events in TypeScript 4.9 instead of the polling strategy. This should increase the performance of the TypeScript service since it will be able to process only the files that had been actually changed without the need to poll everything and check for updates. Keep in mind that in some exotic circumstances, like if your codebase lives on multiple file systems, this watch strategy might not be the best option and you should keep using the previous file pulling strategy instead. We highly recommend checking out the official blog post where you can find even more information. The link will be in the description of the episode. React Flow is a popular library for building node-based editors and interactive diagrams. And today it's here with its 11th version, so let's take a look at what's inside. In the life of every project there comes a time of tough decisions. One of the changes is also the name of your project. You either go with the flow and choose whatever name is available, or you are big enough to actually change the name to whatever you want. React Flow is now popular enough to change to its original name in NPM from React Flow with a hyphen to React Flow without the hyphen. Simple, yet so much nicer. They also acquired organization handle of the same name, and so now nothing stands in their way towards world domination. But this small change actually brings technical updates as well. The whole project got rebuilt by the React Flow team to a mono repository powered by Turbo Repo, Rollup, and Beat. Also, other packages from the core, like controls, minimap, and background, can now be used separately. Accessibility was limited in the previous version, so the team focused on it and delivered. You can now interact with the flow using your keyboard. They have also added default area labels to all the elements on the pane. A lot of other improvements went to the functionality of the edge. For example, in previous versions, edges were hard to select. Now, you can remove a lot of your custom code and just leave it to the React flow with a new property. Another good example is a new routing algorithm for the edges. The routes between every edge will now actually go around the nodes, resulting in a cleaner visual representation. That means no more ghosting nodes. There are still big changes ahead for the React Flow team. 
For example, refactoring the main React Flow component, which now has more than 140 props, to use hooks instead of some of them. Let's not be judgmental. And be sure to check out all the updates in the article linked below this episode. The upcoming months are going to be chock full of interesting and relevant conferences, so let's have a quick look at a couple of those. First up is the VeedConf, that will be held on the 11th and 12th of October. We will get to see Ethan Yu, the creator of UJS and Veed, Swelte's creator Rich Harris, or Ryan Carniato, the creator of Solid, and many more interesting speakers. Next up, we have the Next.js Conf coming at us with hopefully another Apple-like keynote presentation. The motto is Dynamic Without Limits, and it will be held on the 25th of October. Tickets are free, so make sure you get one to be able to see everything live. Last but not least, we have the Jamstack Conf, which will be held on the 7th and 8th of November in San Francisco and online. Don't miss your chance to see awesome speakers from Netlify, Astro, Google, Cloudflare and many more. Don't forget to get your tickets and see you there. Thanks for tuning in to Minified. If you like what I do, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Catch you later.